Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Would changes in the player empowerment era impact the Lakers? And we'll open up the mailbag. That's all next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Lockdown Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts. It's always going to be free, never behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, hang out with almost 20,000 Lakers fans, basketball fans. We are so close to that 20,000 mark. Um, really appreciate every bit of support that we're getting on the channel, a channel that was very upset. The concept of Rudy Gay, something we will mention over the course of the show. Uh, but first, Andy, I mean, the hostility. Let's very just hostile. get it out of the way now. We brought up uh, Michael Scotto from Hoops Hype, very credible reporter, noted in a recent Hoops Hype piece that the Lakers are one of many contending teams that have been linked to Rudy Gay or that Rudy Gay would have interest in. And we brought this up just so A, our listeners, our viewers would know, and B, to explain why we didn't think this was a particularly good idea unless there were just no other options available that, quite frankly, the Lakers bricked because they should have been able to get right. one or, of them. Or they fill in, the, you know, they get a guy and Rudy, they, but like just right. Rudy Gay. We, 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 we broke it made down. made it clear this was not a great idea. Not only were people hostile at the idea of Rudy Gay, they were hostile at us for simply letting y'all know that this has been reported. Like a true kill the messenger thing was going on. Damn, folks, relax. We didn't even hot take it. We didn't like, you know, you know, try to tease it into some uh, no. sort of like bigger thing than it would be. I mean, we just we're just we're just passing along information. People got really upset. Um, so, yeah. And then there was one guy still hanging on to the Dwight Howard thing. Had me break down and explain to him that Dwight was in fact not all that effective in his second uh, second stint, uh, third stint, I should say, as a Laker. Um, the the percentages were fine, but if you actually go back and you look at how he played from game to game, you'd get one good game uh, if he had like five or six days off, and then he needed like another week to recover before he could give you another batch of decent minutes. Um, but anyway, so we'll go. We'll open up the mailbag. Uh, the Twitter mailbag at Cam Brothers got a lot of uh, really good questions to that today. But let's start with uh, Austin Rivers, Andy, um, who made some headlines around the league and certainly um, had NBA social media kind of fired up when he talked about the um, trade demands of guys like Lillard and Harden um, and the way this is playing out with, with guys who just signed deals is being bad for the NBA. Plenty to unpack with this bit of commentary from Austin Rivers. Where do you want to start? Well, I mean, just let people know what he said. And there, there's a lot to read, but I think it's worth hearing all of it because I think hearing all of it provides the context can take you in a bunch of different directions because, as you said, there's a lot to unpack from it. He said, quote, regardless of how good a player you are, man, the NBA is a privilege. And when you are a free agent, then you can choose where you're going to go. That's the business, but not... But not when you're signed a deal, man. That's part of the business, bro. If you get traded somewhere, 
you got to go play, man. You know what I mean? This started with like James being Harden, Ben being Simmons, and all these guys doing it. This bleep is bad for the league. That's why our CBA to the deal that we just signed, and I don't want to go heavy into it. The thing is, don't get me effing started on that deal that we got going because it's top heavy. That's why you're seeing all these teams right now. You either make 50 million or two. It's the most lopsided. It's a joke. I can't tell you how many mid-level guys are signing for that veteran minimum around the NBA. It's laughable. It's a scary dynamic when stars start acting like this, and I'm not a big fan of it. I got to be honest with you. And I'm a big fan of Damian being Lillard. Everyone knows. He went on to talk about playoff battles that they had, praying that Damian Lillard would miss shots. And he also said that he doesn't like it because it's essentially a leverage play that not everybody in the league can make. So essentially what Austin Rivers is saying is that, you know, obviously trade demands have been around forever, but that this star behavior is leading to teams not making really big investments in anybody that isn't a massive star and the rank and file are getting punished for stars. Well, becoming less sort of. he's saying two, he, he's saying two different things. I mean, I think what you're talking about is he's, he's saying is much more a function of the, of the new CBA, but, um, and by the way, this was on the ringers NBA podcast that this was, that he was talking about this. I mean, I think what he's, I, I took a lot of the criticism of, you know, whether it's Harden, whether it's Lillard as, you know, it's you, you kind of almost dishonorable in the sense that, you know, sure. when you sign a contract, when you, he's you talking know, about a bunch of different things, right, by the way, a lot what, of things at once. Um, and a lot of it, which uh, impact the Lakers, which are why why we think it's you know potentially like shifts in the league and the way these things work could could really change how the Lakers operate. Um, but you know, I, I starting with just the the free agent leverage thing, like because we we ha we had a fun time on uh, Monday show, kind of looking at trade demands through history. Hoops hype had a fun list of other, and like they all involve the Lakers, like the top fifteen, you know, most important trade demands, like. 12 of them have something to do with the Lakers in one form or another. So even though Lillard and Harden in this particular case don't really impact the Lakers, generally speaking, this kind of thing does. It's how Anthony Davis got here. Um, you know, it's how it, Dwight yeah, Howard got here. It's how Dwight Howard got here. First every time. time. Right. Every time somebody is um, in no, this it's how Kareem got here. <laughs> it is. They are linked to the Lakers. Um, and it, it is interesting to hear uh, a guy like Rivers talk about kind of the the unfairness of it, where like a, you know it is it's bad for the league to have a guy sign a deal and a year later say I want out, or you know in the case of somebody like James Harden, you know every year and a half he decides he wants to play for a different team. Um, it, it is you know the player empowerment era, Andy has been incredibly transformative for the way we look at you know how how a guy should be able to control his own career it's interesting to hear a player have backlash against it you know just on kind of on the principle in some ways not even just the economics which we'll get to we'll get to in a minute well i mean there's there's different elements of what i guess can be broadly defined as player empowerment you know it's like a lot of different things where a certain phrase like load management in the nba for example has become i think too catch-all of a phrase to define anything involving a player sitting out of a game mm -hmm. player empowerment has been used to talk about 
you know, players being able to have better control of their NBA careers. It's been talked about in the way that they can control their own narrative through media landscapes changing. It has been used to describe the way players can, I think, with less fear of backlash, get involved with certain social causes. Like, there's a lot that has gone on with player empowerment that I think can be too broadly defined. And the reason I say all this is because when it comes to star empowerment in the league with their careers, what I think has become increasingly apparent in the age of quote-unquote player empowerment is that part of it is really star empowerment, like superstar empowerment. There really has not been a true rank-and-file empowerment other than that brief period in 2016 where the cap <laughs> where the cap spiked incredibly, and that's where you ended up with like the Luol Dang and the Timothy right. Osgoff. I mean, there's there's player empowerment. These guys have you know some of the things that you had in your list apply to, but this thing, this ability right. to choose your team to for that is definitely reserved for superstars, or right. at least in the theory. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, for example, has been talked about a lot as signed by the Lakers to eventually get traded. And that may end up happening. That may not end up happening. But what I am pretty sure about is that D'Angelo Russell, despite being a quality player, one-time All-Star, talented, cannot just say, you're going to trade me to Team X or that's it. And I that that's not going to happen with D'Angelo Russell. No, no, it is not. <laughs> and and D'Lo is a legit name in the league. You know, but let's let's, let's carry the yeah for sure. Let's carry this conversation through because uh, I want to hear more of like why star empowerment matters, like why that is different and what impact that has in the Lakers, and then the economics of what Austin Rivers is talking about. I think is something that could be profoundly impactful both on the league and uh, on the Lakers. So we'll do all that next. Lockdown Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet and bonus bets up to 200 bucks. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, and you can land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And you can bet on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in a game. And if you are a Laker fan who roots for the Dodgers, as I'm sure Many of you are, and you were looking ahead. FanDuel has odds on the MVP of the league, Cy Young, World Series winners, and that includes people like Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, and the Dodgers themselves. All It's all on an app that's safe, secure, really easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. No waiting around. So there is no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. So you refer to it as star empowerment um, versus player empowerment, at least in the in in the context of what we're talking about with Lillard, what we're talking about with Harden. What impact do you think that has, you know? League-wide, when you think about the you know the 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 way people are perceived these kinds of things, I mean, it's there's a lot going on here. Well, I mean, first of all, like I said earlier, it's very clear that Austin Rivers believes, based on this new CBA, that the rank and file are being punished in some way by star behavior, whether it's because teams want to 
hedge their bets even more in this type of volatile situation. So they're going to become less likely to invest deeply in the next tier down from superstars and all-stars, like just the proverbial B plus quality player, you know, that, that it's really creating like an economic gap. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure if Rivers is correct or not. Well, I, I just I would I, I would describe it to a different thing, but go on. What uh, look, I'm just telling you what Rivers clearly feels because there's no other reason to bring up the CBA. No, I, but I, and I, I, I think you might be misinterpreting a little bit of. Uh, well, I read it differently, means? at least with with. What Rivers. do you think he means? I think he's I think he's saying that you know the new CBA they're getting screwed because um, the way that the cost structure works is that. All the money, when he calls about it being top heavy, it's all the money goes to the stars. Like the stars, but that has nothing to do. That has nothing to do with the trade demands, though. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're really the same thing. I think he's talking about multiple things at one time. And you know, the the because these guys have so much power and so much influence, they're making all the money. The teams are sort of reserving all of their money for the top tier guys, two or three of those guys, and the middle level guys, the middle you know middle class. Is getting squeezed like, and now I think and I don't well, that's know, whether that you is, want to jump to a different topic. I think the economics of that are going to change. I think teams are not going to automatically give, or as we're seeing, James Harden a max contract. Um, teams are not automatically going to give, you know, the the almost elite, but not just give them their their all their money because, and I think. What owners are trying to do, and this will have a huge impact on the league economics and certainly the Lakers, is try to bring down that max deal to where, okay, Giannis gets it, Jokic gets it, but Jalen Brown doesn't get a super max. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's what eventually will happen. But for the time being, it doesn't help Austin Rivers. It doesn't help the the guys in the middle who, because teams are avoiding these new penalties and these new caps, um, are just not paying anybody beyond their stars. Yeah, I mean, the way I've described this before on Twitter at Cam Brothers is the Tobias Harris's of the world. That contract you'll never see again. Yep. And I don't mean that. Those it's against, yeah. I don't mean that it's shade against Tobias Harris. He's a good player, but he is not going to be in this new NBA landscape ever considered worth thirty to forty million dollars a year, even though he is a quality player i mean yeah, I, which I is think- fine by the way but it's also i think even like that tier above him that are gonna be knocked down a peg or two sure um, um which is what know, the owners i think want we'll see what ultimately happens with for example someone like jalen brown i happen to think he's going to get the full max but we'll we'll see what ends up coming from it um and i'm curious people leave comments on the youtube channel unless austin rivers was just in a full-on stream of consciousness, diarrhea of the mouth, and there's no connection between what he was talking about when it comes to star behavior, trade demands, and the CBA. I think it's impossible to think that he wasn't correlating the two. Um, But I'm curious, people leave comments for us. I think he's he's saying that this is stuff that is where it's because it's, it's these, it's star driven. Like this is one of these things that the stars get to do that the rest of us can't. And meanwhile, this new CBA is built for the stars, built for the stars to still be able to get paid while the rest of us are getting squeezed. Okay. I, I think that's the point he was making. But there's, there's probably a little overlap in, in, in what we're talking about. As far as whether or not this is bad for the league, 
I think it's very much a case by case basis. Like mm-hmm. somebody, because a trade demands have been around forever. Um, this is nothing new, and even guys trying to get themselves to a specific team is nothing new. I think there's also a big difference between Damian Lillard, who played more than a decade with one team, was phenomenal for the Blazers' culture inside the building, in the community, as a leader, as a player, all those different things. I don't think you could ask for anything more from Damian Lillard. But I don't think right now Damian Lillard is doing anything that's bad for the league. James Harden, however, I think what he's doing is terrible for the league. I do. Like the idea that you keep demanding to go somewhere, you're there for like a year and a half, then you demand to go somewhere else, you demand to go somewhere else, that that creates a perception of players, not even just that are entitled, but it's like they treat their franchises like a plaything. And mm-hmm. I think that is a bad look for the league. I just think it's a really unprofessional look. It's unappealing. I just think, and I think teams are going to respond. Like James Harden hasn't, you know, he said, I'd like to go to the Clippers. I mean, he's made that clear, but I don't think, unless I missed it, I don't think he said, I will only go play for the Clippers. So far, that is what he is putting out. Okay. He is I, messaging that it is, it is messaging that it's Clippers and Clippers only so okay, far. Okay, in that case, I, I apologize for for missing that. I thought it was a, this is where I want to go, but I haven't limited it in the, in the way that Lillard has. I, He's not going anywhere. And I, I think don't know. I mean, maybe, what, maybe could, I guess, I, I, you could be right. I um, I think what's going to happen is teams. It's the reason these things happen is because teams will go all in in all ways, shape, or form for the talent. And what they are finding is with the new CBA that these types of moves, when they don't work, are crippling. Giving up the stuff that you need to get these guys, if if you give you go for the wrong guy, can be crippling. Uh, because you just don't have the mechanisms to be spending over the thresholds and still improve your team. Damian Lillard will find his way to another team because he's still Damian Lillard. James Harden isn't. Teams, and I and I mean this in the in both in the literal and I think the sort of figurative sense, the conceptual James Hardens of the world, guys who are still really good but unreliable, flawed. This, I think teams are going to stop overlooking the negative and they're going to say, we're not mortgaging the future, particularly since everybody wants to go to the same five teams all the time, most of whom have given up their stuff. The problem for Portland isn't that Lillard wants to leave or even that Lillard wants to go to Miami. The problem with for Portland is Lillard wants to go to Miami, and Miami doesn't have the right stuff to send back to Portland. If they did, this could work. They don't. And so that's the problem. Now, and so Harden, you know, the return on James Harden is going to be lower, should be lower than the return on Lillard. And I think where we're going to start to see is, you know, Bradley Beal, I I think that kind of trade is going to be sort of the exception. You know, I I don't think they're going to be a lot. And even then, it was less than a lesser deal than than Brad Beal might have gotten. I just think the threshold for these things is going to keep going down and down and down. And if you're going to play this game, you'd better be really good if you think you can leverage to exactly the place that you want. Um, or more guys are going to start handling it like Chris Paul, where they keep their mouths shut, as he did in Oklahoma City, 
and and let them do their work and eventually got to a, a better plan. I just think the dynamics of all this are going to change because of the CBA and because what we are learning is that these star or bust super teams don't function in the way that, you know, people always want. Depth matters, other things matter, draft picks matter. And when you're a star-driven team, star-driven franchise like the Lakers, all of these dynamics are directly relevant. Right? And so we'll, we'll explore this some more because I, I think it's an interesting topic. I think it, you know, you know, the, the dynamic that's years away, um, but it kind of came like when uh, on, on Tuesday when Kylian Mbappe got that, you know, $700 million offer to go play for one year in Saudi Arabia. Um, like there's a potential dynamic of those types of things impacting the way that that stars move around, you know, it, it, it's, I just, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. LeBron chimed <laughs> in on that one. Uh, right. King James on Twitter, me headed to Saudi when they call Rich Paul and Maverick Carver for that uh, Carter for that one year deal. And yep. uh, it's Forrest Gump. Like sprinting <laughs> out of his driveway, $700 million for one year. And they're like, you can go back and play. I think it's in Barcelona or whatever uh, the next year. Fine. I mean, that is insane. And something like that could be coming to the NBA. We'll talk about that maybe. Uh, later in the week or into next week. Uh, let's get in the mailbag next. Okay, so uh, let's let's jump in the mailbag here. Um, it was, you know, got some interesting questions. I, I, I want to start with this one because you know, the player that they're talking about is um, Cole Swider. This is from Travis Sanford, Travis uh, HB on Twitter. Can, can or will Cole Swider help the Lakers this season if his shooting is as good as advertised? Can he play well enough on defense not to be a negative? There's an answer here for, I think, just for Swider. And then I think there's the larger question of like these dudes at the end of the roster and how much they can help. Well, I mean, when it comes to Swider specifically, some of this is just going to be determined by how much, how much does the Lakers need for shooting? Like if they're mm -hmm. shooting with the, you know, the big boy club roster is solid or better other than injuries dictating a need, I don't think Swider will get on the floor at all. There just may not be an opportunity, but if the need arises, and I think it turns into the question of has Swider improved defensively enough or as a rebounder enough or some type of second skill where he brings something else to the table because otherwise, unless it's purely a size-related thing, Demoy Hodge could be the guy that gets more of a look as a two-way guy for shooting because he can actually defend. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's a big difference between 6'4 six, four, six, four, Hodge, 6'9 six, Swider. But if there are enough guys available that you can move players around on the floor a little bit differently, Hodge might actually provide more utility because assuming his defense translates, you know, competently well at the NBA level, we know he can do two things. As opposed to Swider, we know he can do one. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I am not even 100% convinced Swider is going to have that two-way deal before, by the start of the season. It would not surprise me if the Lakers cut him and gave that deal to someone else. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Um, but I think the Lakers are in an unusual situation for a championship, a team with championship aspirations in that it is not that hard to... Um, envision a scenario where their two-way guys are relevant um like i said i don't necessarily think it's gonna be swider um be just because i don't think he has that secondary skill yet but um i think you know castleton we've we've talked about you know the everydayers would certainly recognize castleton has an avenue to some playing time and it's not that it's not that you don't have to squint that hard to nope. see it 
And like you say, Hodge's ability to get on the floor and actually play competent defense, we'll see in training camp how that holds up. But I think there is something that the Lakers, for two years in a row, have gone for older players uh, with their two ways um, because these are guys who require sort of less training. They require less seasoning. Um, and I I actually think there's a pretty good chance that at least one or of, of Swider, I'm sorry, of Hodge or Castleton um, contribute this year for like a decent stretch of the season. I don't think it'll be Swider. Like I said, wouldn't shock me if Swider wasn't uh, on that two-way deal when the season started. Another good one. This from Terrence Merchant, Tmerch88 uh, on Twitter. What do you think or hope Darvin Ham improves upon in year two? Uh, for me, it's reaching conclusions quicker, which I know every fan of every team wants from their coach. But in the case of Darvin specifically, I think that it means conclusions that require moving outside your comfort zone or like mm -hmm. preferred looks, like whether you're talking about some of the early three-guard lineups with Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Austin Reeves that clearly weren't working, or say in the first round against the Grizzlies when it became really obvious by like game two that either Troy Brown, Malik Beasley, or both needed to be replaced by Wenyon Gabriel in the non-Anthony Davis minutes so they have more size on the boards. Like in both of those cases, I think the issues involved moving away from his preferences and erring on the side of offense, even though Darwin does put a premium on defense, and just sort of erring in those comfort zones, tried and true, the things that he worked with under Bud and stuff like that. That's what I hope you start seeing from from Ham more in that second season. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see how quickly he can sort of settle on a rotation. Like because the Lakers do have they have some choices like I said, the Vanderbilt question we've talked about on the show is a really fascinating one how you handle him because he's got some obvious utility particularly over a, a regular season 82 game season he's also got some flaws that i could see getting him squeezed um injuries aside where does he slot guys how consistently does he keep them does he you know because this roster makes much more sense it requires far less experimentation i think than last year's there's always some of the first 30 games there's always stuff that you're looking at but he has an opportunity. The, the, the beginning of his year two with the roster that he has is so radically different than the beginning of his year one. I'm, I'm curious to see how quickly he kind of establishes those things to build a little bit of continuity. The Lakers just were incapable of creating last year because both he and um, Rob Palenka have talked a ton about continuity. That's not just continuity and the roster members you bring back. It's also continuity in the combinations you put on. The yeah, table. absolutely. Uh, this from at Laker fan forever 87. Do you think the 2021 team would have gotten to the finals if AD and LeBron didn't get hurt? For people who don't remember, they lost to the Suns in the first round. Suns were actually the team that made it to the finals. And I'm looking back up to see who they played. I, um, I, I have, have all this. <laughs> I have long since said, I said then and I say now, had Anthony Davis not gotten hurt, the Lakers would have beaten Phoenix. They were up two to one in that series. Um, and I think they would have won. And Chris Paul was playing through injury yeah. as well. Yeah, they, I think they would have won that series. Okay. Um, uh in the second round, that puts them against uh, that would have been looking at now a rematch against Denver. 
Um, Phoenix swept Denver that year. Well, um, Denver that year did not have Jamal Murray. He correct. was dealing with that uh, ACL. Um, they did have Aaron Gordon, but he had been a midseason addition. Um, the Lakers had taken out Denver in the 2020 Western Conference Finals. So I guess unless you think Aaron Gordon would have been good enough to make up for no Jamal Murray and he's a replacement for Jeremy Grant, um, or you think the home court and the altitude that Denver would have had would have affected things that much. Lakers had just beaten him the year before, and then yeah. they wouldn't have had Jamal Murray. I would have taken the. I would have picked the Lakers in that series sure. at the very least. Now here's Maybe the fascinating that, that gets you to the Western Conference Finals against mm-hmm. the Clippers. Uh huh. But without Correct. Kawhi Leonard, you're yes. dealing with Paul George, who played his ass off in that series. He was fantastic. Not the most efficient numbers, but averaged almost 30 points a game, 10 trips to the line, 10 and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, a steal. Playoff Reggie Jackson was a thing. Yeah. Reggie Jackson balled out <laughs> in that series and in the playoffs in general. And the Lakers have always had this bugaboo against the Clippers. I don't know, no matter who's there. <laughs> right. The That's last- what I'm saying. The only, the only thing when you look at it, because it's no Kawhi, Phoenix beat him 4 2. Um, you know, you're going with a Paul George, Reggie Jackson, you know, Zubots, Mark, Marcus um, Morris, know, Marcus Morris. Like it's when he was still a decent player. Yeah, there's not a lot of there there. I know uh, Marcus Morris did not play well. Um, no, but he was still really a decent bad. player then. Um, I would have picked the Lakers. I mean, the the matchup issue was a thing, but you know, again, no Kawhi. Lakers are are intact. They get to the conference finals. I. Yeah, I think they would have made the finals that year. It I'm looking at. It. I can't say they would have because like stuff happens. Um, but like, there's none of the teams that they would have played. I would have picked the other team. No, and just imagine if the Lakers beat the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. A, we finally get Lakers Clippers in the playoffs, much less in the yeah. Western Conference Finals. B, it might have altered the results and just the psychology of like the last five to ten years of Lakers Clippers where we've been living in the upside down where right. the Lakers somehow can't beat the Clippers under any circumstances. They all win when you need to. Um, uh, well, we want to keep doing more of these mailbags, more questions that are on the uh, on the Locked on Lakers YouTube page. Keep sending them in. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, hang out uh, with a bunch of other Lakers fans, talk to them, talk to us. Um, lots of great stuff coming up over through the course of this week and into next uh, great guests, um, more scouting reports. So uh, become an everyday or stick with us every day. We are going to keep trying to bring you shows, you know, even during the, the dog days of summer um, there's always uh, Lakers content that we can, we can have for you. So we appreciate the support. We'll see everybody on Wednesday.